0: Lord God, good shepherd, by the leading of your spirit, help us to listen for your voice and help us to follow in your paths all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So a few months ago, maybe a month ago, seems like longer, I headed up to Port Hardy on the north of the island. It was my first visit, and it was for a presbytery meeting, which sounds very exciting, I know. Exciting because it is a meeting for all the United Churches on Vancouver Island, Port Hardy down to Chemainus, And it was a beautiful drive, of course, and it's a beautiful place. Some of you have lived there before. And this meeting took place at St. Columba's Joint Anglican United Church. In many ways, it was like every other meeting. A lot of talking, a lot of sitting, a little business. Like every other meeting, until dinner came. It was like every other meeting, until dinner came. This time was different, because Alistair, the minister of St. Columbus, decided to expand the guest list. In addition to the 40 or so mostly white, mostly senior citizen people, St. Columba opened its doors and set its tables for members of the local First Nation without telling any of us. Now, several of their folks had spoken at our meeting earlier that day, leaders of their respective communities, hereditary chiefs, the local Pentecostal pastor, and so on. So it made sense that they were there. But when they came, they brought a whole bunch of other people into Wives, husbands, brothers, sisters, sons, daughters, grandparents bouncing baby grandchildren on their laps, the occasional great-grandparents. A few street people wandered off and joined the mix as well. And pretty soon, the tiny church basement was full. It was packed, and there wasn't a spare place to sit. Clearly, no one told these people that the usual polite number to RSVP with is plus one. Now, if you would have asked any of us church folks who were there, we'd probably tell you it was a marvelous experience for a church that talks so much about reconciliation with Canada's indigenous people sitting down at a table of fellowship, sharing a meal together. It was perfect. It was exactly what we should be doing. Those were all the right things to say, but personally, I felt pretty tense. And I got the sense from looking around that others felt tense too. These folks had different manners, different levels of education. Some folks seemed really polished, shirts ironed with slacks, well-spoken, but others, Dirty sweatshirts, old trucker's hats, English as a second language through a row of missing teeth. One dude even had a full face tattoo, like permanent, on his face. And I felt tense. And I mean, I'm sure that there's some subconscious racism working there within me. I'm sure that was part of it. I don't deny that. But I see myself as a liberal, open-minded guy. I firmly believe that in Christ there is no east or west, that racism is a wicked perversion of the Christian gospel, and I support the church and society's efforts to repair the relationship between First Nations people and the descendants of settlers. I didn't feel nervous during the morning presentation In fact, I felt inspired so my dinner time discomfort didn't make much sense and it shouldn't have made a difference when we sat down, should it? But there was a difference and that difference was a piece of furniture. The difference was a table, a shared table. Because it's easy to interact with somebody you don't know, who's so drastically different from a distance. It's easy to have all the right opinions and believe all the right things. But when you snuggle in, elbow to elbow, fork and knife in hand, things get awkward. It means you've got to talk, which can be hell if you're an introvert to begin with. You've got to interact even if you don't know the rules. You're left wide open, you're vulnerable. And there's no getting away until some everybody's done dessert. I mean unless you hide in the bathroom or something for a long period of time, which I've wished to do at the occasional meal, but It can be scary. It takes you right out of your comfort zone, and that's why I think this meal felt so tense and why I felt so as well, because sharing a table with strangers can be painful. It can be awkward. It can be painfully awkward. It can be terrible. Terrible experience at first. But according to this morning's scripture passage, this kind of table tension is good. It is good for us. In fact, it can even be Revelatory; It can reveal something sacred. In fact, God can use this kind of tension to transform us. Like our past few weeks, our passage takes place following Easter, following the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's letdown time, as we've said over and over these past few weeks. Jesus has been just executed, all their dreams for a better world, God's world of justice and righteousness flowing down like a mighty stream have instead evaporated in the air. And so a couple of Jesus' disciples are skipping town, heading away from Jerusalem, on the road to a village called Emmaus. Their leader is dead, the movement is dead, their dreams are dead too. But while on their way out of town, this mysterious figure joins them on the road. You can probably guess who that is. I mean, we've sort of, Ruined the punchline several times in the service already. We read the scripture ahead of time, so you know. hopefully you're paying attention. Or maybe not. Maybe you like to be surprised. I don't know. So this guy asks them why they're so glum, and they tell him, you must have been hiding under a rock to not know this. And they go through the whole story. And this stranger rebukes them. He teaches them all about Jesus from the scriptures, about how the Messiah had to suffer and die, how it's all part of the story, all part of the plan. And here's the key, crucial part. They don't recognize him until they come to the place where they plan to stay. This guy makes like he's moving along. I mean, the scholars are sort of like, we're not really sure. It seems like Jesus is actually faking. Sorry, did I see Jesus? Oops. Oops. the stranger is actually faking to be leaving, like, uh. Ah. He's move, making like he's moving along. But then they invite this stranger in with him. They feed him a meal. Since he's the guest, they invite him to say grace. And he does. He takes the bread, he blesses it, he breaks it, and he gives it to them. Suddenly, it says, their eyes are opened and they recognize him. Jesus, of course. And soon as they recognize him, he's gone, he's vanished. This is just a moment where they see Christ in their midst. The risen Jesus walked up beside them, he chats with them, engages them in conversation, gives them a Bible study, but that's not enough. Their eyes are still closed. It wasn't until they invited this stranger in, saddled up at a table with him and ate with him. That's when they saw him. That's when they knew they were in the presence of the risen Lord. He took bread, broke it, blessed it, gave to them, and their eyes were opened. And it's that moment that something clicks. Everything falls into place. Their lives hit a 180-degree turn, maybe this. Wait, there we go. And they head back to Jerusalem where they came from. They tell everybody the good news, they tell everybody the revelation sets their lives off in a whole new direction. And it's not an accident, because in Luke's gospel, the table is where where God's kingdom is made manifest, where Jesus himself sits down with the sick, the disabled, the poor, the outcast, soldiers, tax collectors, sinners revolutionaries, male, female, Jews, Gentiles, slaves, and free. Humanity fractured by divisions of language, culture, race, gender, national citizenship, rich, poor, liberals, conservatives, they're all there. And this table is where heaven breaks through. The future of the world where everything is set right, creation healed, all things are made new, happens at the table. They see it. They glimpse it. The messianic banquet, where all the people of the world put aside their warring and come together in peace. That's what the disciples see when they entertain this stranger. Jesus is revealed to them because Jesus brings all people together at the tense table where you can't run away until dessert is over to share in a common life together. I mean, in fact, it's why at church we've got this. Why we gather around this table every Sunday? Why there's an invitation to the table? Why we gather monthly to have bread broken? Because the church is supposed to be a microcosm, a foretaste, a sneak peek, a glimpse of that heavenly banquet here on earth, where people who would normally be strangers come together around a common table presided over by the risen Christ. I mean, most of you probably would have never talked to each other if you weren't here, you know? You never would have spent any time together, let alone sat at a table together. If you had your way, if I had my way, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even speak to any of you if I had my way, (laughs) unless, but you pay me to, no. It's supposed to be the place where races, classes, genders, national identities, political convictions are melted away by the fire of divine love. Where our divisions cease. Human life as it is intended to be by God. In this room. And we gather together at this table to see it extended to every other table in the world. From our own dining room tables to the soup kitchen to the tables of public and international policy. The table is where Christ brings us together, opens our eyes, and ushers in this new creation. It bubbles up. And so now I've come to realize the same thing about that table in Port Hardy, that tense table. Our eyes were being opened right then and there, right in that old church basement, with its peeling paint, and it's half-century-old tables and chairs. We were catching a glimpse of God's kingdom, Christ in our midst, boundaries being broken down between human beings, strangers, indigenous and settler, rich and poor, the sick and the well, people who are completely different from one another. God was doing this in our midst. Our table became a leaf in the heavenly banquet table. And you can't make, it's like you can't make diamonds without pressure. That tension that we experience at the table with strangers is that pressure that opens our eyes and our hearts and brings us together in peace. It's that tense table where it all began and where it begins again and again And again, where Christ makes himself present to us, makes us into new people, and brings us together in peace. So, brothers and sisters, if you want to be stretched, maybe you don't, I don't know, if you want to grow as a person, if you want to become a better human being, if you want to become the person you've been created to be, if you want to seek God, deepen your relationship with the divine, live your life in alignment with Christ's teachings. If you want to be woke, start at the table. Start with a stranger. Start here. Now. In this place. Because the table, the tense table, is where Christ begins his work on us and makes all things new. So start at the table. Start at the table, taste, and see that the Lord is good. And for this, thanks be to God. Amen.